welcome to Speak a Dogcast. My name is David Farb, Animal Behavior Specialist, and I am broadcasting from WOUF Wolf Studios in beautiful Palm City, Florida. Thank you so much for joining me again. If you haven't clicked that subscribe or that follow button, hey, go ahead and do so right now. New episodes come out every Wednesday morning, and you are going to want to check them out. You can also follow me on Instagram at Speak a Dogcast. Yes, today's show is going to be excellent. First of all, Happy New Year to you all. Yeah, a couple days here. It's going to be the new year. Awesome. I think a lot of us are happy to see 2022 get out of here. And let's welcome 2023. Let's hope it's a better year. Let's set some good resolutions for our dogs. And you all know what that number one resolution I want you to do. Get out there and walk your dog more. Yes, you're probably not walking your dog enough. And that's the number one thing I want you to commit to in this new year. Walking your dog more. Something simple, something easy, something that goes a long way toward changing your training and changing your dog's life. Yeah. So today on the podcast, so you want to get a puppy. Who doesn't want to get a puppy, but maybe you shouldn't. (laughs) Maybe you should. We'll talk about both of those and more. Then comes loud noises. We all have to deal with them with our dogs, and especially when it comes to New Year's, it's one of those uh, one of those holidays that we have the fireworks. You know, we got to think about it. We got to talk about it. How can we go about approaching and dealing with it in a better way? Maybe some uh, understanding on how we desensitize our dogs to the loud noises. Then comes the first pets, followed by the listener Q and A. If you guys have questions for that listener Q and A, you can email me questions at speakadogcast.com or feel free to message me on social media as well. Any questions, dog related, training related, animal related, anything related, send it on over and keep them coming my way. Now, before we get going with today's podcast, got to give you that trivia question. And today's question is going to be, how many stages of life do insects go through? Yes, how many stages of life do insects go through? I will give you the answer to that question somewhere in today's podcast. So be sure you stick around, sit, stay, and enjoy the show. Next on Speak a Dogcast, so you want to get a puppy. Who doesn't want to get a puppy? Everybody loves puppies, but maybe you shouldn't get a puppy. <laughs> yeah, I know, it may not be what you want to hear. Look, I'm not, I'm not saying don't get a puppy. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just simply saying you got to know what comes with a puppy, right? Baggage. Baggage comes with a puppy. That puppy baggage can be heavy, it can be hefty, and it can be a lot. Puppy baggage is time, it's dedication, it's consistency. It is going to be lost shoes, chewed furniture, chewed carpets, housebreaking, peeing and pooping in your house, constant attention, constant, constant, constant. I mentioned constant, money, 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 constant, constant, constant. And it never ends. (laughs) Well, it ends at some point, but it feels like it's never going to end. Oh my gosh, puppies are, look, I love them. I love puppies, but they are the biggest pain in the neck. (laughs) They really are because they're just never ending balls of energy. They just don't stop. And it takes a lot of time, a lot of training, a lot of focus, a lot of good stuff to make a good puppy. And, you know, just a lot of people are not necessarily up for that. They're not up for that baggage that comes with a puppy. The responsibility, there it is, as my parents used to say, the big R word, the responsibility that it takes to make a good dog from a puppy. You know, I will say I've noticed that a lot of people, especially since COVID, right, a lot of people are getting puppies that maybe shouldn't. 
Now look, whether this is an environmental thing, if this maybe it's a time thing, maybe it's a money thing, maybe it's an age thing, whether you have kids that are too young and we're not really ready to bring a puppy into a house, or maybe the owner themselves are too old and should not be bringing a puppy into the house. With that said, let's give the plug for adopting a dog. <laughs> Guys, older dogs need a home. How many times do I have to say it? And here's the thing. We, we, have this, we have this stigma, right? We hear rescue dog, adopted dog, and immediately our brain goes to trauma case, right? That's where we go in our heads. We go, trauma case. Oh, the rescue dog. They, oh, the rescue dog's going to be terrible. They're going to have behavioral issues. And, and look, sometimes, yes, there are behavioral issues. There is that kind of trauma baggage associated with a rescue dog. But what about the older rescue dogs? What about especially in an area like mine where we do? We've got, here's reality time, guys. We've got a lot of old people. We have a lot of old people. And unfortunately, old people pass away. It's what they do. Yeah, I know. Uh, it's what they do. And unfortunately, they leave behind their dogs. And through no fault of this dogs, right? Through no fault of their own, these dogs get thrusted and put up into these um, uh, rescues, and into just crappy situations. I mean, a lot of times, guys, these dogs are well cared for. They've been given veterinary care their whole life. They've been trained. They've been housebroken. They can be left alone for a couple hours and you don't have to worry about them chewing up your house. These are dogs that are perfectly well-adapted dogs that just... Bad situation, bad timing. They lose their owner and they lose their, 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 their life. I mean, not their life, but their life. The way they knew how to live just gets taken out from under them. But you can help. You can be that person that goes out and saves that dog. So many of my older clients that are getting puppies, I, and, I, and I'm, I'm just scratching my head and I'm going, why? You can't move. You can't walk. Look, a couple months ago, a client goes out and gets a puppy Client can't really walk, can't bend over, can't move very fast, and they get a puppy who's high-energy breed. And look, I, bluntly, straight up, I just tell them, I said, look, you should not have gotten this dog. You should not have gotten a puppy. You have no, you have no business having a puppy. David, that's so harsh. No, guys, that's called reality check. What happens when this tiny dog trips this person and they fall flat on their face and crack their head open? Reality check, guys. This isn't me being mean. This isn't personal. This is bad things can happen if we don't set ourselves up and the dogs up for success. And that's what's happening. This dog is not housebroken. This dog is all over the place, jumping. It's crazy. It's, it's a lunatic. The dog doesn't flat as you know, They tell me that the dog won't sit still for five seconds, let alone five minutes, because the dog isn't stimulated. The dog isn't exercised. There's no discipline. There's no rules. There's no boundaries. It's a free-for-all. Why? Because they can't move fast enough to physically give this dog what it needs. And so I told them, I said, you need to get rid of this dog. You shouldn't have this dog. And I love it. They look at me and go, well, we, I have the dog now, so we need to figure this out. Oh, I love that. I love that. Your bad decision-making is now my problem. We need to figure... No, I just told you what you need to do, and you're telling me no. Blows my mind that people ask for my professional advice, and then I give them it. They don't like hearing it, and they're going, okay, well, we're going to change the rules, and we're going to do things this way. Oh, I'm... Oh, 
Oh, you're going to you're going to tell me how we're going to run my business. Got it. Okay, cool. <laughs> Guys, I'm not a wizard. I'm not a magician. I can't just like pull out this magic wand and go, oh, you can't provide for this dog, uh, but I'll just do this magical thing and everything will just be fine. <laughs> I'm hitting my head against a wall lately, guys. I really am. I mean, I'm just, I, I, I feel like I can talk to you guys. You listen, you know, you're my regular listeners out there. You're listening. I've been hitting my head against a wall with, with people lately. I, and it's not everybody. It's not. But it's a lot of people because their decision-making flabbergasts me. The decision-making on getting a puppy when you know damn well you can't provide for that puppy. Why? Why are you giving that puppy a lesser quality of life because you want the fuzzy, fluffy one? Go adopt a seven-year-old dog, guys. I, ah, goodness. I know, I know, I know. David, you're, you're mad, you're mad. I, I am, I'm upset, guys. I, and I'm rightfully so, I'm upset. And do you know why? Because we're not doing right by our dogs. My job is to look out in the best interest for the dog because most dog owners don't. And then when I tell them they're not looking out for the best interest of their dog, I get the, well, blah, 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 and, and it's my dog, and I love them, and, and you need to just help me fix this, and this is what we're doing, this is, well, this is where we're at. So, no, I told you guys, you don't have the ability to fix this, and you don't like hearing that. Wow. Whew, who knew this was going this route today? My goodness. <laughs> Look, so you want to get a puppy, you have to face the reality of what a puppy is. They're a never-ending nightmare of energy. They're a never-ending nightmare of teething. It doesn't stop until you train them. I love it. Oh, oh, well, we'll just wait till they grow up and get mature. So you're just going to let this dog practice poor behaviors, potentially for two to three years, and hope, cross the fingers, the behaviors get better. That's the mentality of a lot of people, Right? Oh, he'll grow out of it. He'll grow out of it. Look, guys, growing up, I knew a lot of kids that had some bad habits, and I got news for you. They didn't grow out of it. They're still crappy people. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because nobody ever told them no or stop or maybe you should do that differently. Um, things you should be telling your puppy. <laughs> All right. So again, you want to get, so you want to get a puppy. Guys, there's a reason my wife and I went 10 plus years without getting a puppy because this is what I do all day, every day for a living. Puppies come in and out of this house all the time. And I didn't feel like multiplying that. Now did I? It was already multiplied enough. Um, <laughs> look, I, I, I prefer training puppy. I mean, if I'm just being training puppies is where it's at because they're blank slates. And if you know how to give them that information, well, they just soak it up like little sponges. But you have to know how to give them that information. So let's talk about that, right? Puppies, what's the information you should be giving them? Guys, it's pretty simple. You have to, you have to think of it in terms, I mean, look, here, here's the, here, you know what, forget, forget even where I was about to go with this. Here, let's keep it really simplistic. I'm going to actually, I'm changing my mind on this right now. You want to know how to train your puppy? I want you to imagine your puppy as a 100-pound dog. And when your puppy does a behavior, you have to ask yourself, would I let a 100-pound dog, would I let a 100-pound dog do this? <laughs> if the answer is no, don't let the puppy do it. There it is. 
<laughs> Ask yourself if you would let a 100 pound dog do that. And if the answer is no, don't let your puppy do it. I mean, my gosh, I can't simplify it any more than that. That's about it right there. Boom, there it is, guys. That's how you train your puppy. <laughs> no, I know, I'm being a little, <laughs> really simplifying it there into one little thing. But it's true, it's so true. If your puppy is gonna mouth your hand, well, he's just mouthing, he's just playing, would you let a 100 pound dog do that to you? No, then don't let your puppy. <laughs> All right. Would you let a 100 pound dog jump on you and jump up at you and put its paws on you? No. Don't let your puppy do it. Would you let your 100 pound dog growl and bark at you over a toy, over food? No. Don't let your puppy do it. <laughs> I know. Simpler than it's easier said than double. Well, David, what do I do when my dog is barking? And it, I know it's what. Then there's the how, right? Um, but that's the simplified concept of it, guys. If you don't allow your dog to practice these bad, your puppy. If you don't allow a puppy to practice bad behaviors, then guess what they won't do? Bad behaviors. I know that seems very simplistic, but it's it's the essence of it. That is the essence of training a puppy. You have to reinforce and strengthen. And we hadn't even, all right, I skipped over that. We didn't even get into the science stuff today. I was trying to kind of uh, stay away. But we'll go to the basics. You have to reinforce and strengthen desired behaviors, behaviors you like. And you have to punish and decrease behaviors you don't like, undesired behaviors. That's the simple way to put it. So if I take it a step further, then, well, my puppy needs structure. My puppy needs rules. My puppy needs discipline, boundaries, right? Then they also need the affection, the food, the reinforcement, all that good stuff. Okay, reinforcement, we're not getting into the reinforcement isn't food. We're not talking about that. I'm just kind of being generalized today. Okay, but you see what I'm saying here. If you provide structure for your puppy, tell them no in a stern voice when they're doing something wrong. Provide a collar correction, a touch correction. Withhold food, withhold toys when they're doing something wrong. If you utilize these tools, you'll be really surprised how easy it is to make a good puppy. Now, is that to say you're not going to be exhausted from constantly trying to get them walks and socialization and playtime and get them tired? No, it's easier said. It's just like, look, to me, it's sort of, it, it always goes back to the psychology is the same, right? I've said it before. Every animal on this planet learns exactly the same way. Dog, cat, bird, child, doesn't matter. We all learn the same way, okay? Behavior is either going to be reinforced and strengthened or it's going to be punished, and it's going to be weakened and decrease, right? So children function the same way. <laughs> yes, they do. Uh, children function the same way, right? If we withhold dessert from a child until they do what we need them to do, and then we give them dessert as a reward once they do. Same concept, guys, withholding food until the dog sits down. Dog sits down, I give them food. It's all the same stuff. But for some reason, when we put this cute little fuzzy, <laughs> adorable, fluffy face to it, all the discipline rules and boundaries go out the door in our brains, which is silly because it shouldn't. Um, as a matter of fact, look, they've done studies that they've proven dogs, puppies, dogs, you know, they, they can learn how to manipulate you. Mm-hmm. They've actually done studies where they've seen that dogs will use their cute puppiness. They'll put their ears back and they will start to learn how to get away with stuff with you because it makes why? It makes you turn to a little pile of mush. 
<laughs> they start to learn when they're in trouble. All they have to do is look cute, and all of a sudden they're not in trouble anymore, and it gets reinforced. And what do they do tomorrow? They go get themselves in trouble again because you're unknowingly reinforcing the behavior. They manipulate you. You're reinforcing it. You're strengthening it. They think that's how they get it. Mm, fascinating stuff. Um, <laughs> it really is. It's crazy. Look, it's, it's amazing how Mother Nature figures these things out. Um, rattlesnakes. There's actually a theory that rattlesnakes, um, rattles are getting smaller because it gets them into trouble by showing where they are. Now, then there's a theory, well, how do the rattlesnakes keep reproducing if it gets them into trouble and then they get killed? How did this, uh, evolution's a crazy thing, isn't it? Um, <laughs> I know, that's kind of a thinker. Um, we don't have all the answers, do we? I don't have all the answers. I wish I did, but I don't. If I did, I probably would be a lot richer and not doing a podcast. <laughs> I'd be retired. Uh, but I don't have all the answers, and that's why we're here, to try to find them. Um, so, look. Puppies, puppies, guys, K-I-S-S, keep it simple, stupid. People overcomplicate puppies big time. We have to go out and get all these different tools and the pee pads and the this and the that. It's really very basic. You have to have a leash, you have to have a collar, you need to tap into their instinct, an instinct, understand what they are, which is a dog. Dogs are in a hierarchy, okay? Provide rules, discipline, boundaries, structure, and the affection. Makes a pretty darn good puppy when you do it that way. Okay, but people like to give all the affection away for free, the food away for free, and we just no oh, mushy mush puppy, and then we get a spoiled rotten little brat, don't we? <laughs> Works the same way with people, didn't I say that a few minutes ago? I think I did. Um, so look, guys, puppies, we all want them, we all want them. I get it, they're cute, they're adorable, but really, what I'm trying to get at with this segment today is, I need you to use your brains when you're getting a puppy. Make sure a puppy is for you. Because there are thousands upon thousands of dogs that are older, that are calm, that are trained, house Guys, I mean, come on. Can I, can I do the checklist again for you, please? Calm, housebroken, trained, knows commands, can be left out of a crate, won't destroy the house. I could probably come up with a bunch more, but I'm pretty sure that hits all the main ones for most of you, Right? So what's wrong with adopting an older dog? My, jeez, my half lab, half great Dane, Penny Lane, she was still doing walks at nine and 10 years old. At eight years old, she was still doing two hour walks. Can you believe it? Two hour walks, eight years old, half lab, half great Dane, guys. Come on. Older dogs are capable of so much more than we give them credit for. My Fred, my Fred, my half lab, half St. Bernard, he was nine years old when I adopted him. He still did hour long walks when we first got him. We had to slowly take him down as he got older, of course. He lived to be 13 and a half. How about that? So think about adopting an older dog before you go out and get a puppy. It's not that puppies um, can't be awesome because they can be, but guys, you know, it takes so much time, dedication, work, frustration <laughs> to make a good puppy, to create a good puppy. Pup, good puppies are, they don't just happen. I mean, they sometimes do, but for the most part, guys, you don't just luck into a good puppy. You make a good puppy. So if you want to get a puppy, just remember what goes into it. Remember the consequences you are accepting by bringing a puppy into your home. And maybe come to the conclusion that a puppy is not for you. Maybe a seven-year-old dog is not what you want. Maybe a three- or four-year-old dog. I mean, that's the beautiful thing about adopting dogs, guys. The, the age, the breeds, there's so many to choose from, and there's so many that need loving homes. So 
while yes, I'm all for getting puppies and you can adopt puppies too, right? We don't have to buy puppies, guys. We can adopt them. Uh, awesome. There's awesome even breed-oriented rescues out there. Golden Retriever Rescue of South Florida is just top of my head. Boom. Golden Retriever Rescue. Lots of people love Golden Retrievers. Okay. You don't have to buy a Golden Retriever to get one. Um, lots of dogs out there that need homes, guys. Lots of dogs. So... I just want you to be prepared and know what you're getting into when you get a puppy and maybe rethink that a puppy may not be the best fit for you. Keep those older dogs in mind and give an old dog a nice, good home. Are you tired of your dog barking all the time? Or maybe you want them to stop jumping on people when they come over. Or does your dog take you for a walk instead of the other way around? We can help. At The Nature of Training, we are committed to improving the relationships and lives people have with their pets. No matter what behavioral issue you are experiencing, from an unruly puppy to more severe issues, we can help. Offering a wide variety of services such as in-home training, doggy and puppy boot camps, doggy day camps, boarding, and now offering virtual training as well. For more information, check out our website, www.thenatureoftraining.com, or you can find us on Facebook or Instagram at David Paws. Located in beautiful Palm City, Florida, serving all of the Treasure Coast and North Palm Beach County. The Nature of Training, helping you achieve success with your pet. on Speaking Dogcast, Loud Noises. I don't know what we're yelling about! Loud noises! Yes, loud noises. Your dog doesn't like them. Maybe you're lucky. You've got a dog who doesn't care about them. Uh, but hey, we're not all that lucky. Now, I'm, I'm actually kind of grateful that my four dogs now, my pack of four dogs, they don't really care. They don't care about loud noises. They'll actually go outside and go pee while it's going off. Uh, this past 4th of July even, yeah, no issues. Um, they went right outside, they did their business, came back in, no worries. Um, but it's not always the case. Look, with my old pack, my half-lab, half-great Dane, she didn't love them. She'd go outside and she'd do her business and she'd want to go right back in. And she definitely preferred to just kind of curl up on the couch and, you know, pretend there's no noise outside. So that was her way of dealing with it. But she never, she didn't sit and shake. She wasn't like totally fearful. Um, my golden retriever, Colby, same thing. Didn't love him. He'd hear a firework, he'd want to run back inside, but he wasn't scared and shaking or anything crazy. Um, he, he used to be worse. Now he was worse. And the way we solved it, we'll, we'll get to in a little bit. Um, but that's the thing. Solving loud noises. Loud noises in general, it's not necessarily hard to solve. Fireworks fireworks can be a tough thing to overcome. And the reason I say this is because fireworks only happen a handful of days out of the year for most of us, right? Um, that's just it. Like, how do you desensitize something that you can't recreate over and over? Now, sure, you can go buy fireworks <laughs> and work your dog through it. Um, most of the time, though, it's a loud noise association, and so you can get other loud noises to, you know, you can get them, uh, work through other loud noises, and it will help with the fireworks. But, you know, I just want to kind of come to the reality of, look, it's not something we can work through every day. It's not something we can really set aside training for weeks on end. So sometimes the best way to get through the 4th of July and New Year's holidays with your dogs, and I hate that I'm even saying this, it's a Band-Aid. Yeah, a little bit of a Band-Aid to put over the situation. What do I mean by this? 
Um, look, there's different ways to try to make your dog feel comfortable or, or uh, get them through the firework situations, right? And one of the band-aids that your vet is going to recommend, and this is one of the very few times I would ever even consider giving a dog medication. <clears throat> yeah, you heard me. This might be one of the few instances. And even this situation, I'm going to say I wouldn't recommend medication to your dog unless their anxiety is really severe, like really severe with these fireworks, right? Because some dogs do have very bad, very, very bad uh, anxiety over fireworks. So for those scenarios, yes. Yes, I'm gonna say this is one of the few instances that a medication might be beneficial to you because like I said, it's better to put a Band-Aid on this than to let your dog potentially harm themselves or get out of the house and escape or harm somebody else even. I mean, you know, some of this stuff can be crazy. I've heard some crazy things before. Um, so this is one of those few instances medication might be part of the answer, part of the answer, right? It's not gonna fix it. Okay, so... That's one thing. Now, look, if we want to start talking about thunder shirts and, you know, anxiety relieving things, I'm not going to run through every <laughs> every single uh, uh, product out on the market that claims to reduce anxiety dogs. I will say some people have had success with thunder shirts. Look, there is something to be said about constraint. Uh, look, weighted blankets, right? Most of you are, I'm sure, at least have heard of a weighted blanket or familiar with weighted blankets. Hospitals will use weighted blankets, um, especially special, special needs children. A lot of times weighted blankets can help alleviate a lot of anxiety. Uh, people with anxiety issues, just in general, a weighted blanket can be a great thing to help relieve some of that anxiety. I will say, one time Colby was scared years ago, uh, my dog Colby was scared years ago, and we put the weighted blanket on him. And it seemed to actually relax him a little bit. My other dogs, other dogs that I've had in my care, didn't care so much. So that's the thing. That's the thing with a Thunder shirt. It's not that it can't work. I think there is something to them. But in my experience, and my, you know, for my clients and hearing of people that have used them, from my experience, it's not going to help majority of the dogs. I know, not what you want to hear. <laughs> David, I just want a gimmick to fix all my problems. Well, I'm sorry. Sorry to be the bearer of bad news. I would say maybe 10 to 15% of the time, Thunder Shirts help, right? 10 to 15%, maybe worth trying. But there is, there is something to that constraint, the weight, the, 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 the pressure. Uh, there is something to it, right? So it might help you, it might not. Again, to me, that's one of those Band-Aids. Is it fixing the problem behaviorally? No. But does it alleviate some of the anxiety? Yes. Well, then why not use it? Okay. That's how I feel about that. Um, so you can, you know, vets will recommend, you'll, you'll see the posts on veterinarians putting up their posts on Instagram. Oh, with the holidays coming up, here's our checklist of things you should do for your dog. And one of them they're going to tell you is to create a safe space for your dog. I don't have a problem with that, you know, in a closet, somewhere more isolated, definitely find somewhere in the interior of the house. Uh, that's more isolated, I would recommend somewhere with a TV, especially if you've got a nice big loud stereo in there, just to provide some level of white noise to try to cut through so your dog is not queuing in so much on those noises. Obviously, guys, a TV is not going to your dog's ears. It's not going to outweigh it altogether, but any white noise that's going to help alleviate some of the smaller sounds in the distance, even that, right? That's going to trick. It can help. So I don't have a problem with making a safe space for your dog in the house. What I don't want you to do is coddle them, okay? Make the safe space, let them be there, and then leave them and walk away. I know that sounds mean, but guys, we don't want to reinforce our dog's anxiety. Don't forget, dogs are state of mind. And we're going to get to this in a little bit more in a few minutes. Uh, 
on how we actually go about fixing anxiety with fireworks. These are more the Band-Aid um, solutions. So don't coddle your dog. Don't sit in there with them and go, it's okay, it's okay. Dogs are state of mind. If a dog is anxious and you give them affection, essentially what you're telling them is keep being anxious. Okay, we're not getting, we're not going to dive off into the psychology side today. Go listen to some other segments uh, for that info. But needless to say, guys, when your dog is anxious, one of the worst things you can do is coddle them. All right, let's move on. Um, okay, another thing we need to do, guys, preventative measures. Let's be smart. Let's be smart and make sure our dogs, you know, just like with the holidays, with any holiday, make sure your dog's tags are up to date. Make sure they are wearing their tags. Obviously, the tag is not going to do them any good if they don't have it on. Uh, <laughs> so make sure your dog is wearing their collar and tags on these holidays. Microchips. If they are not microchipped, get them microchipped. One of the best ways to get your dog back. Collars can fall off, tags can be ripped off, microchips cannot be, okay? Get your dog a microchip, and number two, make sure that microchip information is up to date. Go check the websites, guys. Uh, make sure your microchip information is up to date, all right? The next thing is if you do have family and friends in town, as I said in the Christmas episode, the Thanksgiving episode, as I say in any holiday episode, remind your guests to keep doors shut, especially on New Year's and 4th of July. Guys, I cannot stress this enough. On firework holidays, it is so vital, so vitally important that you keep doors shut to your house. It's one, it's, it, I mean, come on, if it's not obvious, obviously, guys, that's the best way to prevent <laughs> your dog escaping. Keep the doors in the house shut. I don't care if you got to put post-it notes all over the door to remind people. Keep the doors shut on New Year's, right? If your dog hears a noise and escapes... Guys, they are going to be gone. They're going to, it's going to send them into that fight and flight mode, and you got to be careful, okay? So let's make sure those tags are up to date, microchips, and keep the door shut. Reminding your guests, notes on the door, whatever it takes. Keep our dogs inside, okay? Let's get to the training side. How do we actually go about desensitizing them? Look, it's not the easiest thing, just being honest. It's not, and it can take some time. And this is why I'm like, Band-Aids are sometimes better on these firework holidays, because you may not be able to solve this in a day or two of fireworks. As a matter of fact, you, I almost am sure you say you won't. So it's tough. You know, years ago, I had a client who, <laughs> they're, unfortunately, they lived across a, a little lake from somebody who had a lot of time and a lot of money and a lot of fireworks. <laughs> and their dog was terrified of fireworks. And this guy put on quite the display. I mean, he was a you know, celebrity type person, you know, <laughs> putting on quite the display of fireworks. And their poor dog was just scared out of her mind. So actually, every New Year's and every 4th of July, uh, they had a standing boarding date with me and she would come spend the day, spend the night with me. Now, it's not to say we didn't have fireworks in my house, because of course, we still did. Uh, but it was not as intense as the fireworks show going on there. And so I, were, I would I would spend the holidays working her through it. And while she never was totally over it, she got a lot better. And we started a, uh, training her to much, she was older. So she had spent a lot of years being scared of fireworks. <laughs> so it, it sometimes can become more manageable and not necessarily totally fixed. Because again, it's one of these things. I can't just set off fireworks every day and, you know. Um, all right, so what, I, what, I, how, what did I do? How did I fix her behaviors? I went out and sat on the patio, had a drink, Okay, some of my friends, we, we would hang out for New Year's, we'd have some drinks out on the patio, and anytime she went up to get, I have her leashed up with me, we're sitting in the chairs, hanging out, anytime she goes up to get anxious, I redirect her, a little collar correction, make her sit back down, stay. That's it. 
That was it, guys. That's how I did it. David, you can't be serious. I'm dead serious. All I did was not allow her to practice her anxiety. So if she got up and tried to start whining and pacing, I would, nope, not let her sit back down. Hit that reset button mentally and physically on her. Sit, stay. She gets up, <laughs> sit, stay. She'd get up and it was a battle. It was definitely a battle the first 20 or 30 minutes. You know, constant almost making her sit, making her stay, making her sit, making her stay. And then finally she like comes off of it. And you'll notice, you'll notice if you work through it, the dog will come off of it and I'm kind of going, <sighs> and they'll let out a big sigh. Anybody out there that's ever worked for a through a behavioral issue, you know what I'm talking about. They finally just go, this isn't working for me. This isn't, I guess I'll just, <sighs> just relax a little bit. That's when I come in with some food and go, good girl. When I finally get that, that signal that her brain has come off of it, that she's relaxed a little bit, that's when I bring in the affection, the food, the reinforcement. Because I can't reinforce and strengthen anxiety. Or I mean, I can, but I don't want to, right? So I had to wait for that relaxation before I can reinforce it. That's where most people miss out with the fireworks, guys. What do we do? It's okay, Fluffy. It's okay. It's everything's gonna be all right. The world isn't ending. Let me pet you and hold you and squeeze you. But your dog, meanwhile, is going, I am so anxious. And this person is telling me it's okay and keep being anxious, essentially. That's okay. I guess I should keep being anxious because they're giving me affection while I'm anxious. So that means keep... I know I sound ridiculous right now, don't I? <laughs> but that's the truth, guys. Dogs are mental. They're state of mind. And if your dog is scared and you tell it, good boy, good girl, it's okay. It's all. all you're saying is keep being scared, keep being scared, keep being scared, keep being scared, keep being scared. Colby, it was the same thing. It was as I did with this client dog. Same thing. We'd come across loud noises and he would go to jump and I would go, nope, sit, stay. Relax, good. The second, and then the noise would come again. He'd go to jump, he'd pop up again, sit, stay. Third time the noise went around, instead of popping up, maybe he just jolted just a little bit. Good, sit, stay. That might give him a good, a little good boy. That's it. No treat, just a little good boy. Just to get him to the, oh, oh, I relaxed a little bit, and that's why he's a good boy. He's still scared though, so I don't wanna give a treat. Aha, uh -huh, fine line, we're not talking about that. Okay, <laughs> but you see what I'm saying? I wait for the relaxation to reinforce. I wait for some level of, was he more relaxed right then than he was before, than he was the last time that noise. If he is, good boy. If he goes back to being nervous, nope, sit, stay, redirect. He relaxes, good boy. This is how we get our dogs through any anxiety, guys. This doesn't just have to be a firework. That's the thing. Training is, training is so universal and that's the thing, once once I empower clients, once, once, and again, the client, you, have, you, you guide the horse to water, but the horse has to drink the water, guys. I love the moment when, the, when my clients are working and the light bulb goes off and they're like, oh, this is exactly like it was over there, David. And I'm like, yes, it is. Ah, you're getting it. And then they go, wait a minute, but this is the same thing I did over there. Yes, it is. Oh. Whether I'm desensitizing a dog to a loud noise or, or a trash bag that they're scared of or a dog they're barking at, it's all the same concepts. You've got to reinforce what you like and punish what you don't like. Guys, do you like your dog being nervous? 
If the answer is no, then stop telling them good boy when they're nervous. Don't reinforce that behavior. It's that simple. This is the biggest thing people miss out on when it comes to fearful firework noises or, you know, they want to coddle their dogs. And I get it. It's human instinct. You know, it's our natural human being instinct that we want to make everything okay. We want to comfort, provide that comfort. But dogs are not humans. They don't think like us. No matter how much we want them to, no matter how much we think they do, no matter how much we anthropomorphize them, they do not think like us. If they did, we wouldn't call them dogs. We'd call them humans. But we don't, do we? Because they're not. Because they're dogs. Because they think differently. They feel differently. Yes, you heard me correctly. They feel differently than you and I do. It's not to say they don't have feelings. But to sit here and say a dog feels exactly like a person is just pure ignorance, guys. That's just, that's one of the dumbest things I've ever heard in my life. Give me a break. Come on, guys. You, you, you listening right now, you don't experience emotions the exact same way I do. You don't. Because we're all individuals. We're all humans. So to say that my dog experiences the exact same emotions I do is just, that's a ridiculous statement. It's a ridiculous statement. So remember, guys, their state of mind. If you want to get your dogs past the loud noise, past the firework, you have to um, work them through it, redirect their behavior, don't allow them to be anxious, teach them to relax, and then once they do, reinforce it. Okay? You know, toward the end of Colby's life, and you know, we, we lost Colby a year and month ago or whatever. Ugh, it's been tough, man. I can't even believe it's been over a year. Like, jeez. Ugh. Losing your dog sucks. Um, but by the end, he was he was pretty darn good with fireworks. He really didn't care as much. He, he didn't have to, like, curl up on the couch. He was just, he, he didn't want to go. He, he was like, yeah, I really don't want to go outside, Dad. But I'd say, come on. He trusted me enough. I'd make him go. He'd go pee. And then he'd be like, all right, I went pee. Can I go back inside now? I'm cool with that. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, he's uncomfortable with something he can't hear. But he's not, like, fearful and running away and shaking in his bones and, you know. I get that. Like, same thing with thunder. My same kind of concept with thunder. Like, I don't need my dogs to love thunder. <laughs> I just need them to, like, be okay with it, right? Manage it. I don't need them to love it. Just need them to be cool with it. That's how you have to think of desensitizing your dog's noise. Sometimes it's not about fixing a behavior. It's about managing a behavior, right? So, again, guys, holidays are great. We all know it. I love it. I love, I do love New Year's. It's a great time to start over. Look at it this way. It's a great time to start over and start doing things different with your dog. Start now. Start today. All right? Make sure you do the smart things first, the preventative measures, keeping doors closed, reminding your guests to keep your doors closed. If you want to try Thunder shirts, maybe even an anxiety med if your dog is really bad, really severe anxiety over the storms. Not a bad idea in those specific circumstances, right? But let's get those preventative measures underway, dog tags up to date, microchips, all that good stuff. And then when it comes to desensitizing your dog, remember guys, the key is to not reinforce their anxiety, not strengthen those behaviors, but instead try to redirect anxious behaviors and then only reinforce once they relax. Even if it's just a little bit of relaxation at first, start there and build upon it, okay? Like we talked about a little bit today. So I kind of hope that helps. Those tips help you out. Um, fireworks are not the easiest thing to solve. So, hey, good luck to you guys. <laughs> Stay safe out there and keep your four-legged friends safe as well. Next on Speak a Dogcast, it's the first pets. Today on The First Pets, we'll be talking about Jimmy Carter. 
Jimmy Carter was the 39th president of the United States, serving from 1977 to 1981. Now, Carter definitely had a unique background for a modern president. Originally, he was a peanut farmer. He was also a naval officer and eventually found his way into politics, becoming a senator and governor of the state of Georgia. The Carter family had no pets when they moved into the White House, but ended up getting three along the way. The first was Lewis Brown, the Afghan hound. Kind of rhymes, not quite. Uh, <laughs> not much else is actually known about this dog. Then there was a Border Collie mix named Grits. Now, that was a gift to his daughter, Amy, from her school teacher. The dog was born on the same day that Carter won the presidential election, and the teacher thought, well, it was appropriate to be given as a pet then. The name Grits is a reference to their southern roots, which I love. Uh, Amy loved Grits, but yet again, as with many of the other White House pets, <laughs> here it is, Grits had some behavioral issues, such as soiling the carpets. That can't be tolerated in the White House. Grits also did not get along well with one of the other Carter's pets, their cat, who we'll talk about in just a second. Now, unfortunately, because of these issues, they decided to give the dog back to her teacher. Okay, now on to the cat. Probably one of the more unique names given to a White House pet, Misty Malarkey Ying Yang. Yes, that's the full knowledge. Uh, full, full name, Misty Malarkey Ying Yang. And to my knowledge, it is the only White House pet with a song written for them. This is an original instrumental composition by Gabor Zabo on his album Faces. And the title of the song, Misty Malarkey Ying Yang. I actually kind of like it. Funky fun, right? <laughs> it was actually written in 1977. Uh, you know, I like jazz and funk a little bit. This is all right to me. I like this. Now, Misty was a Siamese cat who often enjoyed Amy's attention and affection. Misty would often sit by her side meowing while Amy played the violin. Now, while she did not get complete, complete free reign of the White House, she was known to be spoiled with some steak or fish from the kitchen. Uh, and I, I, I love the name, but I mean, I kind of like the jam. This is pretty great. So you can actually check out this song. It's, a, it's on Spotify. It's available. Again, it's called Misty Malarkey Ying Yang. Yes. And uh, again, it's by a guy by the name of Gabor Zabo. Um, G-A-B-O-R. And then the last name is spelled S-Z-A-B-O. Go check out his album Faces and you can hear this song. The answer to today's trivia question, how many stages of life do insects go through? It's four. Yes, the four stages are the egg, larva, pupa, and adult stage. Next on Speak a Dogcast, it's the listener Q&A. First question today comes from Trevor from Salt Lake City, Utah. Trevor says, what treats are your favorite treats? You know, I'll make it pretty simple. There is one brand that I definitely tend to uh, gravitate towards. It's not to say I don't change it up, but my favorite treat brand is a brand called Pet Botanics. P-E-T, pet, and then the word botanics, B-O-T-A-N-I-C-S, botanics. 
I love them. They're great treats. They're small. They're meaty. They're low calorie. They're minimal ingredient. Made in the USA. Maybe yeah. Maybe, uh, you know they're they're a great treat. That's all there is to it. Very few dogs turn their noses up to them. Uh, they always tend to love the bacon treats. They've got a bunch of different flavors, uh, different kinds. So if I'm being partial to a brand, that's the brand I prefer. At the same time, look, I like any small meaty treat for training. Anything that's bite-sized, they can eat it quickly, it's gone. I like meaty treats because they smell very potent, gets the dog's attention. Um, but when I'm training, I want to give the dog a treat, I want them to eat the treat, and I want the treat to be gone because I want to move on. I want to be able to give a lot of information in a very short amount of time. If I give a crunchy treat, they're potentially making crumbs everywhere, getting distracted by the crumbs on the ground. So I prefer small, meaty treats. Now, can you use your dog's kibble kibble as a treat? That's a question I get often that's maybe associated. You can use kibble too. There's nothing wrong with your, using your dog's kibble. If your dog is motivated by it, by all means, as long as it's a small piece of kibble that they're not sitting and chewing and crunching on, right? Like that's the only thing. I want it to be bite-sized and quick. Sometimes I will also use, uh, if I need something a little more enticing, I'll occasionally use those small like liver treats. I prefer small pieces though, so I try to find a small liver treat. Be sure you use liver treats sparingly. <laughs> liver high protein treats, they can upset your dog's stomach, give them bad diarrhea. Uh, so do be aware of that. Liver treats in general, man, that's just that's what they do. Um, so small meaty treats, that's really the answer to the question. I really like any small meaty treat for training purposes. And of course, I always try to prefer anything made and sourced from the US. Next question comes from Sally from New York City, New York. Sally says, my dog keeps jumping on me when I come home. He is so excited to see me, but once the initial hello is over, he won't jump on me again. He'll even do great when we're walking uh, out on walks and he says hi to people. No jumping. It's only when I get home. How can I stop him from doing this? Well, Sally, that's, it's very specific, isn't it? Right? Okay. So he's only doing it when you come home. That makes it easier. It does. It actually makes it a little easier to fix uh, because it's only this one instance. I have to, you know, I got to ask the question to you. Are you crating your dog? Um, when you come home, is your dog already out? Because th that's going to kind of depend on how we approach it. If your dog is in the crate, okay, if your dog is in the crate when you get home, you let him out of the crate and then he jumps all over you, the best thing you can do is leash him up before you even let him out of the crate. Wait for him to relax, maybe even ask for a sit, a stay, open the crate. If he tries to get up, you close the crate door. Okay, I need him to sit and stay. Once he's sitting and staying and we accomplish that, leash him up. Once you let him out of the crate, you now have a leash, right? So now you have something to at least control him. Maybe provide a little correction. Uh, there's nothing wrong with using the collar as a little bit of a direction correction, using a little tension to tell him no. Nothing wrong with that, okay? Another thing is if he's going to jump up on you, and this is, you know, this is under the assumption that let's say you walk in the house, he's not crated, and you don't have the ability to leash him up like that. He's already jumping on you. Well, guess what? Grab his collar. <laughs> Use your hand, right? You don't have to have the leash. Grab the collar, make him sit, relax, and wait till he's relaxed before you give affection. Now, another thing we can do is use touch corrections, a little bit of touch, right? Uh, we've talked about that before on the show. You can touch correct at the chest area, kind of the shoulder chest, not on the neck, but just to the side of it, and on the back hinds. You make a little pinch, a little nip, because you're meant to be mimicking the natural way dogs correct each other, okay? Nothing wrong with doing the little nip and telling him no, okay? Nothing wrong with that at all. Um, you can put a knee up. Block him. If you know the jump is coming, give him a little knee. I don't want you to kick him. That's not what I'm saying. Please don't interpret it as that, okay? I'm saying provide a boundary. Put your knee up and don't allow him to jump on you and push him away a little bit and say 
No. Okay. Don't let the jumping be an option. And one of the biggest things I can suggest is don't be too nice about saying no, because he might interpret that as affection. Okay. I don't want you to push him down and go, no, no, because he's going to interpret that as, oh, you're giving me affection. Oh, thank you, mom. Okay. So you have to be a little firm. You have to be a little to the point, put a knee up, tell him no, no. Okay. Once he relaxes and backs off, you tell him, good boy. If he goes to jump again, knee, no. He backs off, good boy. You need to make your dog understand the behavior that you like, as well as the behavior that you don't like. So be sure you're communicating to him when he jumps that you don't like it. And once he stops jumping, that you do like it. Now, at that point, once you communicate that a little bit, there's nothing wrong with asking your dog for a sit in this moment. Say, hey, sit, good, stay, and then try to go down and pet him. He's probably going to pop up in excitement. So be ready for that. No problem. Reset it. Go back to a sit. Stay. Try to give affection. Okay. Really what you need to do is just reshape the way this interaction happens. Make him understand jumping doesn't work, work for him. And once he calms down and relaxes, that's what works for him. That's what gives him affection. Okay, that's how you have to think of it. Tell your dog what you like. Tell your dog what you don't like. Make it very black and white to him. Okay, don't give him any sort of affection until he relaxes. Okay, um, it, it really is that simple. I know that kind of sounds very easy, but it is. It is that simple if you let it be. So just remember, reinforce relaxation. Tell him no. Provide a boundary when he does what you don't like. <music> That's going to wrap up the podcast today. Thank you so much for listening in. If you love what you're hearing, click that five-star rating. Everyone out there, please have a wonderful, happy, and safe new year. Please don't drink and drive, and make sure you utilize those free services from Uber, Lyft, and taxi cab companies offering those free rides home. Arrive alive, guys. Come home safe to your four-legged friends. Have a wonderful week, and don't forget, get out there and walk your dog. Thank you.